This is Wyman and Bob on Seattle Sports, powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. Streaming live on the Seattle Sports app and at seattlesports.com. Now, here are your hosts, Dave Wyman and Bob Stelton. We are live at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center. It's Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports on 710. Had some great conversations today. We had the uh, debut of the John Schneider Show earlier. And if you missed that, it will be available on the podcast page at seattlesports.com after the show. Good to catch up with him. He'll be with us every single Thursday until April 25th, the first night of the NFL draft. So uh, make sure you tune in for that every Thursday. Fun conversations with him. And we talked to John Morosi earlier as well, who's always just in a sunshiny mood. And he's in the sunshine of Florida right now uh, for spring training. So good stuff in case you guys are just tuning in. That's a bit of what happened prior to you showing up. Meanwhile, uh, Ryan Grubb, the new offensive coordinator for the Seattle Seahawks, coming straight from the college level, jumping into the pros, kind of bypassing. We talked about it, Dave, often the the uh, path for somebody coming from college, whether they're they have uh, head coaching experience or maybe they're a coordinator at that level, they tend to come up to the NFL level and they start as a position guy. Whether they're he was a no line coach or he's a linebackers coach or he's a running backs coach, what have you, and they kind of work their way up. Yeah, he jumps right in, right from the college level, right to the uh, NFL as the offensive coordinator. So. Big jump for him, and he he talked with the media today. You had a chance to listen to him. He he talks here. He just talks about the differences in going from college to the NFL. Well, I think there there's the obvious, you know, the the hashes, things like that are important. But I think the personnel based scheme. Uh, there, there's some things that you have to be uh, probably far more alert to, as far as who's on the football field, whether it's base or nickel packages. You know, the identification of personnel problems. Um, you have those issues in college as well, but I think they can be a bit more prevalent in the NFL. And then also, I think uh, the limited possessions. I think that that part of the game is a little bit different offensively. Somebody sent in a text earlier because I think we played that, and they they were asking. I can't remember how they phrased it, but basically asked Dave to explain the hash marks. Like, what what's the difference? Where they're at on the field? Why does that change? What you see, I mean, you got out of bounds, you got out of bounds, you got the hash marks, they're closer yeah. here, they're further apart there. What does that What does that mean to a player or a coach? Well, I just think it means that, you know, there used to be a wide side of the field. We were always identifying that because the hash marks in college are almost out, like, to the numbers. Mm-hmm. And I don't know the I'm, – I'm looking up the dimensions. I, I knew it at one point, but I know that um, I'm pretty sure around six, six and a third yards apart – um, are the the NFL hashes? So both sides are wide sides. But you know, I just remember in college, you know, you'd get a report on, oh, these are wide side plays, these are short side plays, and you know, so yeah, basically you're you you know, both sides are outside, and that's that's what you know opens up the game. You know, it opens it up on both sides. So it's yeah, there's there's a little bit of difference there, and you know, usually you'll see receivers and receiver coaches, new receiver coaches coming from college. That will uh, that will talk about the difference in the field just because of the landmarks, mm-hmm. you know, where the numbers are, where the hashes are, things like that. But it's not any kind of big deal. It's like I was saying earlier, you know, uh, I was talking about how I said it took 
maybe 10 days to get down the the lingo somebody texted in and said 10 for dave three for everybody else like no i'm just talking about look i, I can of course they text that in i could sit there after three days and pass a test but when you go out on the field and things are happening where well, you're not thinking about it it just makes sense yeah and all, yeah. The, all of a sudden you know somebody goes in motion or whatever yeah and then that's when it you have to apply it you know and that's that's a little bit different but yeah i mean th- these are things that will get picked up um they'll get picked up pretty quickly but yeah it's that's that's just one thing i just remember always uh that usc would always run into the short side just because they were trying to they were trying to fool you like mm-hmm. you know everybody wants space right right and you you want to go to the wide side and they would just do it to trick blank you you know so yeah i mean i think the the other the other thing about and you you're the one you pointed it out i hadn't really thought about it but you're right about the the coaches that typically they go from offensive coordinator to like running back coach or quarterback coach or whatever and then build their way up but sounds like this guy really knows football and i think it's interesting that they you know all connected in some way it's it's funny though in football it shouldn't be that surprising i guess because if you know somebody, you played with a guy, and then you can go have a whole conversation with somebody that you don't know mm-hmm. yet there's because there's one person that he played with, right? Yeah, you have that person in common. Yeah. I'll go up to, uh, I remember, um, uh, who's Lomas Brown, mm-hmm. you know, with Detroit, and that's kind of how I broke the ice with him. Hey, I played with this guy, that guy. I mean, in, in the football world, it's pretty – it's pretty eerie how many connections that you yeah. make because you well, guys know. move around guys right. move, play for different teams. It's kind of an incestuous, you know right. what I mean? It, it just is. It's you know, these, I played with this guy on this team. I played with this guy on this team. Oh, you played yeah. with him as well. Yeah. I coached under this guy. Yep. I was coached by this guy. Totally. Totally. So yeah. And that's, and you know, somebody's always thrilled if, you know, you know, a guy that you, you loved and he loves him. you like, you kind of bond over that. Yeah. Right. So yeah. Yeah, lots of lots of connections to be had in football. Uh, sticking with Ryan Grubb here, now we, we talked about the fact that we saw him up at the, whatever event that was in Alabama, and he introduced himself and, hey, I'm I'm your offensive coordinator. I'm Ryan Grubb, uh, and then he talks here saying, you know, timelines don't work out perfectly, but that Kalen DeBoer always knew that this this move might happen. I thought about that process a lot of times, honestly. So. I think just in the situation we we're in made it tougher. Um, just that he was getting getting it started out in Alabama, and you know wanted to be there for him. But you know I knew this is what ultimately that I wanted to do if the right situation came up. Uh, you know the timing is is so difficult to really describe. So I think that was the hardest part was being in that position where the timing wasn't going to be perfect. And I think in this industry, the people that are in it. Yeah, you just know that the timing is never going to be perfect. So best possible scenario, you know, you'd love those timelines to marry up a little bit better. Um, and obviously, you know, that was the hardest part, honestly. We, we knew this day would come for sure, and I'm, I'm excited for Kalen. I know he's going to do a phenomenal job down in Alabama, and, and uh, I know he's excited for me for this opportunity. I love that he had that he's had that conversation with DeBoer mm-hmm. that, you know, hey, it, at some point, you know, as you mentioned, it's never a perfect time. And, you know, it was kind of a little bit sticky, but it, it all worked out. And I think, you know, I'm sure Caitlin DeBoer doesn't feel like even though every Husky fan wants 
to hurt Kalen DeBoer. Yes, wants that's it right. to be as shot as, as painful <laughs> yeah. as possible for him. But yeah, uh, they're hoping this hurt him badly. They yeah. want this one to cut deep. This seems like the people that had the biggest issue with Grub, you know, going out there saying I'm your coordinator and then coming here. To be honest, that I saw on social media were Coug fans. Mm-hmm. I think it was just a, a way to take a shot at Huskies. Yeah, when you say, "Oh, look at your guy here, nice job," you know, selling this program to the kids and then bailing. The majority of them I saw were Coug fans that were really up in arms over that. I'm sure for Olds Reverse, maybe it'd be Husky fans prodding Cougar fans the same way. I mean, that's just how it goes. But uh, here he is it's sort of explaining it more, Dave, and it, it makes sense, talking about he had to take the Alabama job at first because the Seahawks were still going through a process here. That was really the, the point was to take the job down there and be the offensive coordinator, and, and nothing was set here. You know, Mike was going through his process and trying to make the best decisions he could for uh, the Seahawks, and so nothing was set. And so I had to keep moving forward with the job that I had taken and that was the Alabama offensive coordinator job. So, uh, yeah, I just had to trust the process and, and know that it would end up the right way. Wow. I mean, bird in the hand, right? So, yeah, he, he there, had, there were no certainty that you're going to get this job. He's right. going, he, you know, Mike McDonald would have could have said, hey, man, love the interview. You got a job in this league at some point, but we just feel like this yeah. This guy over here is a better fit for what I want to do right now. Or, you know, he maybe had some somebody in mind his whole, you know, yeah. like, hey, if I'm ever a head coach, this is the guy I'm bringing with me. So, yeah, I mean, it's the same thing as Raheem Morris, right? Yeah. Raheem, they, they wanted to take him to the next level, but he had an offer in Atlanta. It's like, hey, sorry, got to take the bird in the hand. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll, uh, it, I, I can't wait to see and hear this guy sort of talk through his offense and what, what it's going to be about and – it's uh yeah, it's kind of intriguing to me that John slapped the the tag the big brain on Brad <laughs> yeah. on him. So yeah, Grubble uh, and and by the way, we found out you know a lot of the Husky fans, uh, none more angry than our own Shannon Dreyer. That's right. She became very cranky over that. <laughs> she got so, really sticking cranky. it to the Husky. <laughs> That's right. She got really cranky over that DeBoer move. Stick it um, to DeBoer. But yeah. uh, you know he it, Ryan Grubb comes from a very pass heavy offense with, with the with the Huskies and for good reason and and here he explains why his offense at at Washington wouldn't be like the one they would run here yeah I think you know over the course of my career we've we've done both certainly um, I think you know when you look at what we did probably more specifically at UW over the last two seasons we were you know accentuating the positives and there's three receivers that are probably going to get drafted this year and so I think you know moving the football through the air was a logical choice um, and we are going to be a physical team in Seattle. And um, over the years, that's something that we've certainly done when the components all matched up. You know, we, we ran the ball very effectively, and I look forward to it. I think that when you have an established run game, it makes calling those other plays and the auxiliary plays off of it um, a lot easier, honestly. It's when you don't have the presence of a run game that things can get really tricky. Yeah, so they had 575 uh, attempts. Last year, and then 400—that's pass attempts. Sorry, at 411 carries. Mm-hmm. So you know you get over 5,000 yards in total, with you know Dylan Morris the backup and all that. But then you know you've got Dylan Johnson who ran for nearly 1,200 yards. Will Nixon ran for a couple hundred. Tybo Rogers, yeah. So I mean, it's not terribly off, but as he points out. You'd be crazy to not throw the ball when you have Penix, who is a Heisman Trophy candidate, and three receivers that might make it in the NFL. 
No, when he led the nation in passing. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, yeah, you accentuate your strengths. You lean right. on your strengths. Our strengths, strength is our passing game. We've got a quarterback who can sling it all over the field. We've got receivers, especially in Roma Dunze, who are going to be a top 10 pick most likely. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's a nightmare for any defensive back in college football. Why wouldn't you lean on that? Yeah, you want the threat. I, I get it. I'm guessing every coach at every level would love to have a 50-50 balance. I'm just, we're just as good at running the ball as we are at passing the ball. You pick your poison. That's not often how it works out. So yeah. the fact that they, they were able to lean on it, teams knew they were going to lean on it, and they were still successful doing it, right. went undefeated through the entire season until the title game, it seems to be the right choice. So I, And I would assume the same will happen here if he feels like – Hey, this run game is ready to really break open. We're going to lean on that. You know, we're going to. He wants it fifty-fifty, but if there's one aspect of that offense that's dominant, you're going to, you're going to go with that. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that that to me makes makes perfect sense. Yeah, Adunze, well, and Dylan Johnson too, put up NFL numbers. I mean, mm-hmm. so they played fourteen games, right? Uh, is that yeah. what it was, or is it 15? Yeah, they played 15 games, so a couple less. But, I mean, you put up 1640, 1,640 yards, and then almost 1,200 for Dylan Johnson. Yeah, that's uh, that's good play calling as well. So, And then, you know, in order to, to set up the get to the pass, you, you want to try to run the ball. He talked about play-action pass, and our buddy Mark Schlereth always talks about how much more valuable it is when the quarterback's under center. We'll see. I, I agree. Having been a linebacker, you know, uh, it's it's so much more sells the run because mainly, you know, what you're doing is you're turning your back yeah. to the linebackers. And so you're losing sight of the ball. And- yeah, you don't see the ball. And Boomer Esiason, best play action pass he ever. Was phenomenal. Um, it just you couldn't tell. You he could committed not tell to it though. I, that's the that's part, and we'll move on in a minute. But that that you bring him up, and I couldn't agree more. Just watching video of him doing that back in the day, he uh, he committed to it, and it was he would fake out the cameraman. Yeah, you know. But now it feels like it's just sort of this perfunctory, like oh here I'm going to pretend to hand it off to you. It's I terrible. Throw on. Yeah, like there's just, there's no real true commitment to trying to deceive you, right. the linebacker who's coming through. Well, and that's just laziness, really. And that, that would be something I would certainly harp on if I was, you know, a, a quarterback coach because that that just it, it's not that much hard. It's not hard to do. Come on. Yeah, you just see it's so many like, just kind of like here you go. Uh, just kidding. I'm yeah. Throwing. Well, and then the th- <laughs> same thing is you know you get in gun and. I don't know. I guess there's that kind of mesh point where with the read option where it makes yeah. it a little bit, it might hold you a little bit. I just think it's more effective when the quarterback's got his back turned to you. Uh, one more from Ryan Grubb. Just talking about his experience coaching different positions is going to help him now that he's in charge of the whole offense. I've been really uh, blessed. I don't know that it's was by design, you know, in my career and how things worked out, but certainly it helps you see the whole field. And I think it, it, helps you relate to every position room and what those challenges are that are presented and how each room needs to succeed for us to succeed on on a game day. And so I think when you can put, especially the front end, and you can truly tie in the run game with the pass game and the protection schemes, um, I just think it makes it a lot cleaner in the development of the game plan. That's the part that I've probably benefited from the most is it's easier to tie that game plan together when you truly understand what's going on up front and what the quarterback is facing. I, I, yeah, I think he's 100% right. Certainly having that sort of experience at each position and then incorporating that into the overall scheme 
yeah, having that knowledge is nothing but good. I'm just I'm anxious to see what the offense looks like. I just I don't really know. Like we 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 heard the response from from JSM when he was asked about Shane Waldron, and it was kind of like, um, well, you know, good luck out there, and uh, like he you could see he was almost biting his tongue at first. It seemed like he was kidding around, but then he was kind of like, eh. like maybe he just wasn't a huge fan of how Shane Waldron ran the offense here, and I'm wondering if he's not alone in that. If it just didn't either make sense to guys or they didn't feel like he was taking advantage of their strengths the way you know we heard Grub talk about at UW. I don't know. I, just having yeah. fresh eyes on it, a fresh approach. I'm I'm excited to see. All right, what can you get out of this group that was not being tapped into before? Yeah, I'm trying to remember a time when that happened to me, and I think it was my first year in Denver. Loved our D coordinator. It was Charlie Waters. He was a safety for the Cowboys back in the the Cowboys heyday. Um, when, you know when Roger Staubach was playing and. We ran entirely too much cover two. And the reason that it was bad is because the teams would figure out how to, you know, and typically if I'm running down the seam, which I was in charge of as a middle linebacker, it would be, you know, a tight end or maybe a running back. Well, <laughs> then they switch routes and all of a sudden I'm covering uh, James Jett. Mm. You know, that doesn't work out well, yeah. not for a linebacker. So, but I, I just remember, you know, that was one of the things. And I remember being all in and, you know, loved him, whole thing. But, like, after uh, after a while, I'm like, man, this this is not good. This isn't something that I think is going to work. And I remember him asking me, why well, you guys run cover three up there? It's so basic. And I was like, well, because it works. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, I know exactly what, what he's going through there. I mean, I'm sure he thinks Shane Waldron's a great guy, but JSN kind of got, got caught in a moment there. And, you know, and I, I actually kind of want it to be true, not because I just hate Shane Waldron, but I just think it would be really cool to hear from JSN or DK or whatever, but particularly JSN, like, what do you think of Ryan Grubb? How's it going for him to say, oh, man, it's just like, a breath of fresh air, yeah. you know. Uh, this I don't is want him, gonna be good. I don't want him to stick it to Shane Waldron, and I, you know, I hope Shane has a, a great. Hopefully, he can turn around Fields or whatever they're going to do with their their uh, their draft there. But you know, it would be it would just be really nice to hear that like a lot of the communication because I think that was interesting that John his focus on this whole uh, coaching search was get teachers. Yeah. Get guys that can teach football and you know and I that might sound kind of basic like yeah of course they're all they're all teaching it but like some guys are better at it some mm-hmm. guys you and that's like using less words you know as I always say you get if you want to go from point A to point B you get directions you want the least number of words possible you don't want to have to think too much you want it to be automatic and I'm hoping that that's what we'll hear from JSN well, Adam, Adam Dirty, Dirty was uh, talking about this, talking about the importance of all three levels, looking at the defensive side, uh, the three levels playing in unison. I think really when you're thinking about that, the way I kind of look in, the way we kind of look and we talk about it is like looking at it in like three different levels like us, okay? Really, how do we communicate and play on together as all three levels? I think like you watch the defense from Baltimore, they have a great – way of playing on all three levels together you see that they're connected and I think that's a big part of the way you play and then really the standard you know you have like the standard is the fabric of this building bro you can feel it when you walk in you know like and to come and add to that is really exciting so it's like how 
how really are we fundamentally sound? Some of the things that Jay talk, just talked about, like how we fundamentally sound, how we play in the standard we want to play as a group. And really the last thing is just attacking the ball. You know, like if we're, if we're attacking the ball, there's all the system stuff on top of that, but really, really in those three prongs, if you're rolling there, that's our, our kind of philosophy and really how I've learned to build this, my kind of philosophy through my time in the league. What do you say there, Bob? <laughs> <laughs> he talks funny. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's interesting to hear from him. You know, the one part I kind of got got uh, stuck on was, you know, he talked about the energy or the fabric of the building and the culture mm-hmm. and everything here. And you know, even stupid little things. That's uh, not stupid at all. Sorry, even little things like having everybody come down and have Mike when Mike McDonald walks through the front door. Yeah. You know, the entire staff, everybody. We there saw, in the lobby. Saw NASA in the background there. Everybody was there. John, just the humble doorman, opening the yeah, door for him. Yeah, the door for him. Yeah. And then, uh, <laughs> did you say something about Bert's hug? Didn't John Schneider say something Yeah, said so he was hugging her. Like, okay, let go. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Or that's enough or whatever he said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you... You could tell, but that's so different. I mean, I can imagine there's probably a lot of a lot of teams where it's like, yeah, drop by at two o'clock, and uh, you know, I'll have somebody come down and meet you in the lobby or whatever. Yeah, they got this going here. So, I mean, it. You know, we used to always say when when Jill was out there. Now Bailey is out there, but mm-hmm. the person at the front desk. I'm trying to remember Jill's last name. I bet you Taylor Jacobs knows. Jill's last name, Taylor. Probably. He's probably putting too much pressure on yeah, him. Yeah, you, you put him on yeah. the spot. He's, he's the answer man. He's squinting Taylor his face right now, thinking. Yeah. yeah, we'll we'll get it. But, but yeah, I mean, we all know Jill. Yeah, when you go, come through the front door, it's like she was the best. Yeah, you know, and uh, yeah, just the way it is, all all the way through. He mentioned fabric. Yeah, that's that's kind of what what this is uh, is all about. So it is it is different. And then you see John Schneider's energy. You'd think he'd be tired, for God's sake. He's like all fired up, and yeah. you know, he just. <laughs> You know, he loves loves this stuff. All right, coming up, there's uh, one reason why Geno Smith could take a big step forward this season. We'll get into that next with Wyman and Bob. This is Seattle Sports on 710. Wyman and Bob. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. We are live at the Virginia Mason Athletic Center, Wyman and Bob, Seattle Sports on 710. Again, a reminder in case you're just tuning in that uh, our conversations with the Seahawks president of football operations and GM John Schneider and, of course, our guy John Morosi, those conversations will be up on the podcast page for you after the show at seattlesports.com. Just click on the podcast tab, click on our beautiful new handsome picture, and then uh, it's right there waiting for you. Click or push. Push, push. push. Uh, <laughs> subscribe. It subscribe sounds, is the sound creepy <laughs> when, when Matt does it. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. He, when he does it. Usually does the slow hand. Push. I did. You just couldn't see me because we're in different <laughs> yeah, parts of the city today. Radio. Yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, uh, too. I think we broke the internet last year with our John Schneider interviews, didn't we? It, it like, a lot of people were interested in him. Yeah, yeah, yeah they did. Well, he's. I like I said, you know, before he's the guy that we didn't hear from a ton. Pete was always the voice. You always heard from Pete, right? He was on the station every week, and you'd hear him after games. And there was just he had his press conference every every week. So there was a lot of Pete out there. And John, I felt like you didn't really hear from him until the draft, and then you wouldn't really hear from him. Every once in a while, he might sit down with you, and but 
he he almost I was stunned that he agreed to do the show last year because he always seemed maybe a little reluctant. Like ah, I don't want to talk. I don't want to do interviews. Yeah, you not not. Yeah. Yeah, not not in a bad negative way like that. Ah, it's just not my thing. But he's he's got well, a he's, great personality. He's a funny dude. He's, he's been bugging me for five years about coming on the show. Really? Yeah. I always got the impression he'd just rather not. <laughs> so. I, I'm I'm mostly kidding. No, I, he he was willing to do it, and you know he's he's a funny guy. He's really smart, and you know as far as football goes, and just like an encyclopedia of, you know, we, I talk about Taylor Jacobs, like anytime I don't, I don't remember a name or whatever, I always go to Taylor. He's yeah. the answer guy. Schneider's kind of that, that way, you know, he's just got this encyclopedia in his brain and, you know, remembers things about football. And so, yeah, and I think it's interesting um, that uh, you've got all these connections. He's a very well-connected guy because like, he's not this little wallflower. Yeah. Like at a, at a meeting or a, uh, you know, any kind of like the combine, whatever, he's going to pretty much go up and talk to everybody. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, really good stuff. So, again, if you missed that conversation, it will be on the podcast page at seattlesports.com. Now, meanwhile, uh, the news that came out earlier today, and, and again, you and I looked at it and went, yeah, that's kind of what we thought. Um, Gino's deadline, if you will, is tomorrow. If he's on the roster tomorrow, his $12.7 is guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Uh, the stunning news would have been if they if he wasn't on the roster tomorrow then it would have been whoa where are we going yeah because this is the obvious move it's just again uh, football dollars this is a pittance it's it is a pittance dave right so it's just it it's the obvious move you don't have another quarterback on the roster this is the guy he was always going to be here so that's that's the news but ryan grubb was was being asked about him uh and describes his first impressions of geno smith yeah, we're in a dead period right now, so really that's all it is, is just getting to know him as people. Um, so no scheme or anything like that, but he's great. He's a competitor. He wants to be coached. He wants to be the best. Um, you know, he, he it means a lot to him. You know, and just hearing his story and his growth as a player and a person is, is inspiring, honestly. So I'm really fired up and looking forward to coaching him and Drew both. Uh, they're both wonderful guys, and um, they're competitors. He's making an assumption Drew will be here. Yeah. Drew's a free agent. Well, they were the coaches, or I'm sorry, the quarterbacks last year, so maybe that's what he's going with. But I assume maybe they would want to try to sign him back as yeah. the backup, or if they make a move down the road, who knows? Maybe they make a move and Drew's the starter, but I would assume they're going to make an effort to bring him back into the fold. You know, what's interesting with, with Gino, um, remember uh, it was a couple of years ago there was a game where Pete from the sidelines was trying to calm him down, mm-hmm. and, you know, he's he's very competitive. And Is that the one where he got the horse collar and he was mad? Is it Was it that one? Because then he picked up a penalty later, like a oh, few plays later. He was still barking. No, that around. was the giant game against on Monday Night Football where he got the, uh, well, it was the cousin of the horse collar, Bob. The oh, dirty, the hip drop? The dirty cousin. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> looked like a good tackle to so me. stupid. <laughs> it yes. looks like a good so, tackle. I, I thought so, too. And Gino got mad about it. And, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, there was another time. I, I think, you know, one of the things, I think for him, there's got to be a sense of urgency, you know, because you're – you know what 10 years in the league and you know now you finally got a chance you're 33 years old you're like yeah i gotta get going here man and i think maybe that might be part of his you know like maybe one of those things that he does kind of need to calm down and i thought pete did a really good job with him yeah uh one more from ryan on on gino just breaking down what it is he likes about his game i think he's got good presence um I, i've been impressed with 
you know, his decision making. I, I thought, you know, last year in 22, I think he led the league in completion percentage. I think that says a lot in this league when you talk about how hard those decisions are, number one, and then how tight the windows are. To, so to be productive at that level um, and be the best in the league at it, I think says a lot. I think he pushed over 65% last year. So it just shows that he's got the ability to be accurate and, you know, make good decisions. And that's what, you know, ultimately you need a guy that can lead, be smart, tough, and dependable and, and make good decisions. And I think Gino is more than capable of doing that. How do you look at that, like, he went from almost, I mean, just so close, probably a few completions away from 70%, but 69.8. Okay, let's round up. So you go from that to 64.7, round up to 65. I mean, that's, you know, uh, I don't I don't know how big of a deal. You're seeing, though, just in general, and I think Kirk Cousins is the one that really, like, or maybe it was Drew Brees that was breaking 70, mm-hmm. you know, touching that number. Yeah. It's an amazing number. So, I mean, that that's the thing um, I, I love about about him. But I don't know if that's, like, he considers that to be a significant drop-off or not. 65% is still really good. Yeah, yeah, solid. I mean, it's just he's, you know, he's shown he's capable at this level to complete a, at that kind of percentage. I, it's not anything I'd ever expect. Like, this should be the standard. You should be 69, 70%. Yeah. It's great if you get there. I, I don't know that that's realistic, and if they can, if he can find ways to accentuate what he feels Gino does well, whether it's something as simple as I, when he rolls to his right, I really love his accuracy or or how he views the field, or rolls to his left, something just basic and simple that he picks up from watching him on film. We're we're going to try to emphasize that part of his game. Yeah, yeah, just the fresh. idea of just fresh eyes yeah. is is really exciting to me. Yeah, I agree, and you know, we, and I've had coaches come along, and you know, like. Tom Catlin, I think. I, I always wish he'd coach me more. But, you know, I thought once I got in the NFL, even during the season, I needed to have, like, fundamental type of drills and stuff. And we just got away from that because, um, you know, you're so busy looking at the opponent. Number mm-hmm. one, you know, how did we screw up the last game? You know, what are our mistakes? And then number two, getting ready for the next opponent, then you don't really get that much coaching. It's like, hey, I need the reminders of, you know, staying low, my feet, all those things. And I feel like, uh, you know, those those are the, the best kind of coaches. And it sounds like Ryan Grubb is one of those guys that's very detail-oriented and, uh, yeah, it could be really good for Gino. I think also it was, it was interesting <laughs> that he talked about having guys full-time. I mean, Gino, yeah. thirsty for knowledge, wants to get better. I mentioned the, the ticking time, um, the clock on him being 33 years old uh, i would think this is this is going to be great for him uh, i'm really excited to see what happens would you be stunned if he were here beyond this contract he's got this season and one more he signed yeah. a three-year deal last year was the first year of it yeah i don't know gosh if they sign i mean we know drew lock is a as a free agent obviously i don't know if they're gonna let go of him but i don't know of drew yeah i, I wonder if Drew is thinking, "Hey, now I can I can do it. I proved it to myself. I want to. I want to compete for a starting job. Yeah. I wonder but, what the. I mean, and that's another thing that's hard to tell. How does the rest of the league view him? I mean, yeah. John has an idea, and, and at the time Pete did because they were around him every single day. They saw him, especially Pete, in practice every day. So he had a much better working knowledge of what he does well, what he doesn't do well. We've seen him on the football field in such a limited fashion with the Seahawks." it's hard to develop a hardcore opinion that eh, he doesn't do this well, he does that well. He's In this situation, he struggles. In this situation, he excels. And we, we don't really have any of that. Mm-hmm. So I, mean, I don't know what the rest of the league thinks of him. Like, how, how do they view him? Do they look at, hey, he had that comeback win, 
Uh, he made some nice throws. He's got an arm. The guy can certainly run. Uh, we can work with that. Or hey, I'm not. He's he's still a backup in my opinion. I don't know. I don't. I'd be curious to see what other yeah. talent evaluators in the league thought of him. Well, and there's a, a whole other, you know, subject of has he gotten the right coaching. Because, yeah. you know, during the, the pandemic, it was kind of limited, and then he had different coaches uh, in his ear. Same thing. Remember, Schlereth told us that uh, at Missouri, he had, you know, they didn't do him any favors as far as running a pro-style offense or anything like that. So, yeah, there's lots. Of, he's one of those guys that comes with a lot of but this, but that, but, you know, what if, what if you put him in this situation? And I think that people can, you know, grow sort of skeptical of that but he sure is a good athlete and you know he's shown a, a couple of times that he can be a big time quarterback all right coming up uh we have a pretty good idea of at least one thing we learned today and we'll find out what that is coming up next it's wyman and bob this is seattle sports on 710 this is a house of learned doctors what you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. What did we learn today? No one's a bigger idiot than me. It's <laughs> the easiest way out. And we're all dumber for having heard it. <laughs> uh, we get a chance to find out what we learned at the end of the show each and every day. What we learned immediately is that when there's free food on the line, Mike Lefko's got no use for this show. He just He just took off out of the building and left our guy Matt Nelson to his own devices back there. He abandoned us, Bob. He did. He said, uh, "We got they got free food there. I got to get there before other people get it." So you got this. You got yeah, this. Yeah, he's very serious about his food. Wasn't there a fight that almost broke out at seven <laughs> ten over? Uh, I know. I think at a previous sports dessert. star of the year. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the cheesecake thing. I don't. I don't know what it was. It was yeah. something at a previous banquet, previous sports star of the year banquet. Somebody tried to play a joke on him, and he didn't take it. He didn't find it funny. Too kindly. It involved his food, so he didn't find it funny. Do not joke about Lefko's food. He if I've learned not. one thing, yeah, I do bet not you, joke about his food. Yeah, I bet you, you know, like you ever notice certain dogs, even nice dogs, if you put your hand down there when they're eating, they're like, Yeah, that's I wonder. I wonder if Lefko would do that. Like, <laughs> just kind of test, do a little experiment, you know, reach over and by. start to grab his food. His, his would be more like, what, what, what are you doing? Where are you, where are you putting your hand? Uh, what did we learn, Matt? We learned uh, how to pronounce the name of the Seahawks' new defensive coordinator. Well, and we're getting a, a big note on our sheet from Lefko. Is it Dirty? Yeah, that's what we heard. And he said, just say AD, you know, if you want to just call him that. But that's, uh, he did say it's uh, pronounced Dirty, not Dirty, which we all thought. Dirty. All right. Dirty. Adam well, Dirty. Bumpus, I think, screwed me up because he was singing that song, Riding Dirty. <laughs> well it's a good way to remember how to say it i guess yeah dirty uh, ad ad sounds sounds no, like thought, a better road to take i let's go with ad yeah that seems the wise way what was that song i was referring to is that uh is Riding that flow rider is it low rider flow rider i think is, he, is that who does that one i know it's called riding dirty but i don't know who did it somebody will text it in Tyler or Tyler Taylor is that is that is that Flo Rida that does Riding Dirty that song? Chameleon, Chameleonaire. I think it's Chameleonaire. Chameleonaire. Okay. There we go. There we go. There's like I gotta be up, to I gotta get up to speed on my hip hop artist. Yeah, this you're is ridiculous. Lacking, this really. is ridiculous. Uh, what else did we learn, Matt? We also learned that somehow Dave knows what a dating app is. 
He's, he's a guy who likes to laugh, man. He likes to yeah. make Tommy Boy references or you know, Chris Farley references. So maybe that's how we should start it out when he comes in. Go remember when he used to <laughs> he used to share the responsibility. Now it's you now might, it's all yours. That's pretty. That's pretty cool. Pretty awesome. <laughs> uh, you might get a, an evil eye from Dave Pearson for that one, but oh, you know, <laughs> we're we're used to that. We're used to that. So no, uh, yeah, he is. He's he's a guy that loves life. Likes likes. To, I know that sounds very cliche or something you would put on your dating app or something but uh he, <laughs> i love life he loves life <laughs> i'm a guy who loves life i'm looking for somebody who loves life as well yeah like going for long walks on the beach candlelit dinners yeah kind of <laughs> my love language is gifts um yeah that's uh that we were talking about john schneider and by the way he did hit us with some movie lines right at the gate he went trust tree Right? Yeah, he said from nest, old school. Though. Huh? He said nest. The nest. Yeah, but he was yeah. that scene. He was he was going he was from old school. Yeah, I thought and then we he, were in the trust tree. Yeah, and then he went with the uh, Pulp Fiction. Check yeah. out the big brain on Brad. Yeah. Although he said Bob. I wonder but, if he uh, slipped another one in there that we didn't even catch. I don't. I have yeah. to listen to it again. I don't know. It'll be on the podcast page after the show at seattlesports.com. Yeah. But, yeah, he's he's good with the movie. He loves the movie lines. Yeah. He loves looking at you going. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> He'll give you a little tap like it's like that. Yeah. He well, likes- I think that's his goal that he, he tries to work two or three in every, <laughs> every interview. So. Meanwhile, Pearson's over there. Yeah, yeah, that's cute. Let's go. Yeah. Let's go. Uh, what else did we learn, Matt? Speaking of John, we learned that our listeners had some great questions for him today. Try to get our listeners involved, Dave. Take suggestions from them as to what it is you'd like to hear. He's not going to tell us who they're drafting. Correct. He's not going to tell us who's being let go from the roster or who they're going to resign. <laughs> okay? So let's... Or who they're going to get in free agency. Yeah, beyond those questions that you know he's not going to answer. So don't don't waste your time texting him in. And because we did get that last year. Surprisingly, I, I took him as a joke, though. Did you, do you think they were serious? Uh, the, the one guy was like, oh, what a terrible interview. You didn't even ask who they're going to draft. And you didn't ask if they were going to, what you were going to do with Gino and how. Uh, you know. Should we ask him how much he makes? Here's Schneider. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> how much are you making? Yeah. Do you think he gets, uh, I'm doing a lot more now. So uh, how about a little bit of extra cash? I would assume that's how it goes. Yeah. Right. He's got more responsibility. That was already written into the contract, but. Yeah, we, I'm we, guessing it's an offer that at least would keep up with inflation. You know, if you if you're a conscientious company, you would hope that would be the case. Yeah, that they would, you know, adjust based on the cost of living. You would think seems so. fair expectation. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I'm crazy. That could be kooky uh, talk, Dave. It could be. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, he's uh, you know. I think most of the listeners got it. That he's he's not going to tell us who he's drafting. He's not going to tell us they're trading up or down, or we're gonna we're gonna resign Bobby. We're not resigning Bobby. Or you know he's, he's you gotta you gotta dance around those things. Unfortunately, he's just not going to be that open as much as we'd love him to be. Yeah. What if That's one not day? What if What's one that? day he did tell you who he was going to draft though, in the hopes that other GMs were listening to throw them off the trail of who he was actually drafting? Know. We we would then be his useful idiots. Yeah, yeah, he'd be using us to get that message out and misdirection for the other clubs out we there. We need to go back and listen to the one, the last one last year, the day of the draft, because he said he gave us a hint. Did he? Yeah, and it was something about, I don't know if he used the word corner or maybe Ooh, he yeah. referenced Illinois or... Huh. 
Well, yeah, know. we'll have to go back and listen to that. I don't recall a hint. Yeah, I think he, he said that he did. But I'm he's like, a lot smarter than I am, so that hint could have gone way over my head. Well, he did go out and draft uh, Devin Witherspoon. Right and he, he nailed that one. I'd like to think we were the inspiration for that. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> uh, did we learn anything else, Matt? That's all the learning we had time for today. That's all the learning. All the learning was done. It's okay. just been a pleasure receiving your texts today, Matt. Um, whenever we get a chance to get, come down here to VMAC, I always, I always get really excited. Well, well Dave, it's been a pleasure hearing you and Bob and your pen all day today. Okay. <laughs> we we'll keep it going. He's got two pens in his hand right anybody now. Anybody even most, I mean, that's loud, but yeah. usually it's like over here. We had some people Nobody texting and saying, yeah, I could hear it. And then other people saying, I didn't notice it until you brought it up. Now I hear it. Yeah. Well, so that's a picky old man <laughs> i can't fight that all right that does it for us i appreciate everybody tuning in if you missed anything from today's show or any day all you need to do is head to seattlesports.com click the podcast tab scroll down to our picture and click on that and it'll be right there waiting for you and as dave and lefko tell you every time click subscribe that way it's downloaded automatically for you you never have to go through that process again either way we appreciate you tuning in we're back tomorrow right here with wyman and bob seattle sports station on 710